we are kingdom people. Because we are kingdom people, we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. We have that available to us anyway, uh, that we can be uh, empowered by Him. So in your bulletin there, it's written, Kingdom of God or Kingdom of Heaven can be found over 80 times in the New Testament. I think this is what I gave Miss Vicki to put in there. Every time, or every kingdom has a rule, which is authority. Every kingdom has a reign, which is the people that are ruled over. Uh, and every kingdom has a realm, which is land or territory. God gave mankind rule over the earth, but they rejected this responsibility with their sin. Of course, Adam and Eve started that. We have followed suit uh, in many occasions. This sin handed authority over to the kingdom of darkness. But thank God for Jesus, because he reestablished the kingdom of God with his death and resurrection. He reestablished that. He has given authority to believers to build the kingdom in his name. So that's what we're about today as the church, recognizing that Jesus Christ is our soon coming king. And we're just here helping, uh, being available to the Holy Spirit as the kingdom of God is being built. What does the kingdom of God being built look like? Well, you're here today. You have been saved by grace. And so the moment that you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the kingdom of God expanded. The moment that you were baptized in the Holy Spirit with power, the kingdom expanded. The moment that you pray over someone and healing comes to their life and deliverance or salvation, the kingdom of God is expanded in each of those scenarios. And that's what we're about is uh, the kingdom of God being expanded. And it's all because of authority. We have authority. Now, depending on how you grew up or your work environment or whatever, authority can mean, it can have a negative connotation, can it? But it can also have a very positive connotation to it as well. Uh, just the idea of authority. Oftentimes authority will protect, it will direct, it will empower, it will allow you to do uh, different things. Uh, when I first got here, I think I used this example. I want to use it again, though. But uh, back when I was doing the racing ministry full-time, I was in the ARCA series, and um, I got this little, it's called a hard card. Um, so this hard card here has ARCA on it. This allowed me to get into the garage whenever there was a race. And I could go pretty much anywhere I wanted to go uh, as long as I had this particular card. Um, and the, because at the different tracks that you would go to, the gate workers wouldn't know who the officials were, who the chaplain was, they, who the race team members. And so this is what got you uh, in. If you, if you don't have a hard card and you work on a team, then you'll get like a hot pass or something like that uh, as well, and that will get you in. But there was something a little bit different about this one. At the bottom, mine said official on it. So before the garage opened, I could go behind the gate to where the officials were, whereas the race team could not. So when we go to different tracks, Daytona's getting ready to come up. All the race people, woo, amen, racing season's coming. They're excited. So um, one of the first tracks that we go to is Daytona. Now, officials cannot get an all-access at the Daytona track. Because they're even officials, there's just certain places they go, they go, unless you have a little sticker that you get at each track that enables you to go in those areas. Well, my final year, I was finally special enough to get one of these little stickers, and it enabled me to go anywhere that I wanted. So as I came up to a gate, and I saw the work track official there, I would have my little badge on. About like this, and I would just stick my chest out. And, yes, I'm permitted to come in here. Excuse me. NASCAR official here. The authority allowed me to get in. Now, guess what would happen without this badge? 
I would be thrown out. What changed? I'm the same person. What changed? I didn't have the authority backing me up to be able to get wherever I needed to go. See, the authority that we have in the kingdom of God, really, it is about us because of our availability, right? But what gives us the authority is the Holy Spirit of God, is the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, which gives us access and availability for the kingdom of God. You remember the story of the young man who was the prodigal son, and he went away, and uh, when he came back, uh, he got a robe, he got sandals, and he got a ring that, that said that he's part of the family now, and that would enable him to do whatever he needed to do, to do business transactions within the family. That's the kingdom of God and the authority that is represented. Again, without this authority, this little badge that I wore at the different racetracks, I got nowhere, even though I was still the same person, even though I was the chaplain of the particular ARCA series. It was the authority that was given by the, race, by the series uh, that enabled me to do what I was going to do. So that's what I wanted you to think about today, um, because you think, who am I? Who am I that God would use me? You know, who are we that God would use any of us? But he's given us authority because of his son, Jesus. So I want us to look at his rule today. When it comes to walking in the authority of God, we do have to come under his rule, though. What does that mean? Well, the way God has set it up, that's the way things function. When you're in a democracy, you have a particular say, don't you? But when you're in a kingdom, who has the final word? It's the king who does that. We're under his rule, under his reign, and under his authority, but it's not like a hammer-fisted type of thing. In fact, it enables us, this enables us to um, use his name, as we're going to see here in just a few moments. There's nothing more powerful than the name of Jesus, Miss Beth. And he has given us his name and kingdom rule and kingdom authority. Well, let's talk about living in authority, because when we talk about the kingdom of God, we know that there's opposition. There's another kingdom, isn't there? And that's the kingdom of darkness. Satan rules that. There's that opposition that's there. Um, and it's what we want to have authority over, the kingdom of darkness. What brings about, you know, the, the enemy is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God wants to give us authority over that. He has given us authority over that. Satan is the ruler of the kingdom of darkness. And what you'll see and you may even hear people say this from time to time who maybe aren't believers or trying to figure out this whole believer thing, but there's no neutral ground when it comes to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. It's not like there's a Switzerland that's out there that says, well, I'm just, I'm just kind of floating here. No, you're either on one side or the other. Bible, the Bible clearly tells us that. You're on one side or the other. Now, here's what we need to know with the authority that we possess because people may not know that they are in the kingdom of darkness because they haven't seen the kingdom of God working through us. Ouch. God has set up the believers so that his kingdom authority flows through us. And I want to be the kind of believer that people can see the kingdom of God in action. I want to be the empowered, Holy Spirit-empowered type of person that there's no question whose kingdom I'm serving in. And I want us all to be there, right? We all want us to be there. People know when they see authority. Think about this. You drive a certain way until you realize that the car that's beside of you is an undercover officer. 
or you're passing on the interstate an undercover officer. You ever done that before? And the panic that sets in, you're like, just cruising down the road, making good time. What does the speedometer say? Oh, I don't know. We're just keeping up with traffic. And then all of a sudden you pass, you realize it's an unmarked car and you're like, oh, all of a sudden now I know what the speed limit is. You know, <laughs> we know when we see authority. Jesus has given believers authority in his kingdom. Will we accept and utilize it or stay frustrated because we're not seeing his kingdom prevail around us? I'm at the place where I don't like, and I, we've been here, right? I don't like to see the kingdom of darkness winning. I don't. I don't, I don't enjoy, I don't think any of us do, I don't enjoy when I'm having to do a funeral of someone who I know is not saved or attend a funeral of someone that I know is not saved. I've been to two funerals this um, past couple of weeks, and fortunately, there was no question that these two men were kingdom people. There's, there was no question, but I don't enjoy the other. I don't like seeing the kingdom of darkness win. So I wrote a question, when will we accept this and utilize, or the, the question I just read, will we accept and utilize this or stay frustrated because we're not seeing his kingdom prevail around us? Turn with me to Matthew 28. This is a, um, we read this one quite a bit, and I want to continue to read this one a lot because it's so important to our understanding. Matthew chapter 28, verse 28, and we're, I'm sorry, Matthew 28, verse 18, and we're going to read through verse 20. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all that I have command and um, all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What a beautiful picture that, um, Nathan, I'm proud of you, buddy. What a beautiful picture that you painted this morning. God is always there whether we're on the mountaintop or whether we're hanging off the cliff. God is always there. I am with you until the end of the age that's there. The kingdom of earth, something to understand, the kingdom of earth belonged to Satan because of its sin. Do you remember the temptation of Jesus that you read about in uh, Luke chapter 4 where um, somebody, one of my friends is in Israel and they were taking a picture of, um, man, I forgot the name of the mountain now, but it's there where Jesus was taken up. They believe Jesus was taken up and it overlooks um, just everything that's around. And what did Satan say to Jesus? He said, I will give you this. Now, Satan could not say that to Jesus unless he had authority at that time. And he did. The kingdom had been turned over to him. So the enemy told Jesus, I will give you all of this if you will just bow down to me. Well, there's something that Jesus understood that he was about to retake this kingdom and Satan didn't need to give him anything because it wasn't his to begin with anyway. Sin had just handed it over to him. So the kingdom of earth, it did. It belonged to Satan because of sin. But authority was restored at the cross. That's when Jesus went and he took the keys, right? Of, of death, hell, and the grave. We read about his, Jesus' works in the gospel, and we're amazed at these miracles. And within his kingdom, then Jesus blows our minds, and he says, you can do the same thing and more. Look in John chapter 14. This is another one that we read, but I want to remind us again. I, I want us to, to see this one. John chapter 14. I want us to read verses 12 through 14. 
And it's mind-blowing. When we read this, we think, wow, how can this even be possible? Jesus says in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me. Now, who is that limited to? The, just the leaders? Just, just the pastors? Just the elders at the church? No, it says anyone who believes in me, doesn't it? Anyone. If you're a person breathing, you're an anyone. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going, because I am going to the Father. So Jesus has ascended to the Father, hasn't he? Verse 13, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, is there a limit on anything we ask Jesus? Well, he makes that clear. He says, I want to bring glory to the Father, right? So anything that brings glory to the Father, you ask me, and I will do it. Miracles, healing, provision, God will bring it about because of Jesus Christ and his kingdom that has been reestablished because of the cross. Right, Sin had a way of, of just taking some of that authority away because of our sin, right? But Jesus, when he died upon the cross, he reestablished that. And we can ask anything. Church, we have authority to speak Jesus' name. We have authority to speak his name. He makes what seems impossible possible, where he says, ask anything in my name. And I will do it. I want to ask you this morning, are you facing an impossible situation? Ask in Jesus' name. And God will make the impossible possible. I didn't share my notes with Nathan this morning, right? But he was describing an impossible situation. We just have to ask. We have the authority to speak his name. To cry out the name of Jesus. Jesus was given authority and he gave this authority to us. So what is the goal of king, kingdom building? Obviously we know that it's not the physical structure that we have here today, although it's beautiful and uh, the work that has been done in here and in the other buildings is, is wonderful. We're thankful for what we have. But it's bringing those who are in darkness into the light of Jesus. When this happens, the kingdom grows immediately as I was just saying a few moments ago, when we tell people about the kingdom of God, even if they're not saved, but the kingdom of God's seed has been planted into that heart. And we're praying that that seed begins to take root, it's watered, and that eventually will reap a harvest. But the kingdom of God is found among people. It's about bringing those in the light, who are already in the light, into deeper fellowship with Jesus. You know, that's our goal on Sunday morning. That's our goal on Wednesday night, the different men's meetings and ladies' meetings that we have, discipleship, getting together for lunch, whatever. That's the goal of believers, is that we're not the same when we have been around other believers because we have been encouraged in our spirit. We have been encouraged in our, even our natural self to go do the work of God. Why do we meet on Sunday mornings? To worship together? But yes, to be instructed in God's word. And I want to encourage you so much that when you leave this place, you want to tell about the goodness of God. 
That's the whole goal of those who are believers. We want to be able to pray over one another so that when folks are sick, when folks are facing a difficult time within their families, we can pray and empower them to go home and take the kingdom of God into their own homes even. Jesus has given us his name. And so when we pray for people, we pray in Jesus' name. He's given us that authority. To bring believers who are already in the light into deeper fellowship. And of course, we have authority so that we can bring others into the kingdom of God. Romans 8.11, let me just read this one to you. It says, the Spirit of God, it is on the screen, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. That's our God. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's what God thinks of us. That's what God thinks of his believers. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You know, I love to see the stories and hear the stories and witness what's going on when um, I'm just thinking practically a couple things that have happened even, even recently. But, you know, we have a little shop over here that Jerry has and auto shop. And what do they do over there? They fix cars. But how many times have people, has Jerry called me saying, hey, a neighbor just came up and wants us to pray? How did the neighbor know to go to that shop? Well, there's something that... that comes out of that shop, the Spirit of God, right? There's, there's a drawing to the light. I believe that that's very possible too. But there's a witness that is there that people are drawn to the light and they know where to go when they need God. And it's the same with you. I've heard some of your other stories too. People just tend to come up to me and they want to tell me all their... It just seems that people always want to come up to me and tell me their problems. Praise God for that. Don't be discouraged by that, right? Why is that? Because we, there's something about the Spirit of God that they are drawn to and for whatever reason, they know they can get hope in that situation. Praise God for that. That is the kingdom of God. That is people who call upon the name of Jesus. Here's what else I've come to find. One, we can call on the name of Jesus. Two, we are empowered by his Holy Spirit. And if we're not, we can be. And I, I want to bring, if I can, I want to bring more clarification to this today, maybe to some. some many of us have heard this, but I want to bring even more clarification today. There's a point of salvation that happens where we're in the kingdom of God. We're assured of heaven. We have Jesus. And of course, he does. He places his spirit within us to lead us and guide us. But you know, there's another story that we're going to read about here in just a few moments where Jesus told his disciples, yeah, you have me, but I want you now to go wait in Jerusalem for the empowering of the Holy Spirit so that you can be a witness, not only in your hometown, not only in your county or your state, not only in your nation, but to the world, all those places in between, close to home, and far away. But you're not going to do it unless you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Church, we cannot effectively minister the kingdom of God without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
We can't do it. Each and every single day when I wake up, God, I need you today. And it's not necessary. It is a cry of desperation. It's not, oh, Lord, woe is me. I need you today. It's, God, you've given us a responsibility, and I need you. I can't do this. I have nothing within me of myself. I need you today. We must be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1-8. Man, you're using a lot of familiar passages today. Absolutely. I love these passages. These are great, life-changing passages. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I just like to give proof of Scripture, right? <laughs> it's important to do that. And Jesus told them, He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was not non-existent. Did I say that right? He was not non-existent. He existed in the Old Testament. And there were times when the Holy Spirit would, you know, you, you hear about how the Spirit of God came upon Samson, you hear about how the Holy Spirit came upon David and, and all these different things. But this was something different in that it was an indwelling for power that began to happen. Why is that? Because God the Father and because Jesus knew that we needed this power to usher in his kingdom. And he said, I'm going to baptize you with power by the Holy Spirit. Philip, I'm thankful for his Holy Spirit. And again, every day, I call upon him. So we see in Acts chapter 2, where, Acts chapter 1, they were baptized, and we see the results in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So here are the obedient disciples, okay? I want to be an obedient disciple, by the way, of Jesus. But he says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other language as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. This was a supernatural event that happened. Not only were there visual things that were happening that the people could see the kingdom of God being ushered in, there were audio things that they could hear. How are they speaking in that particular language? How is this going on? The power of God was at work. He was wanting his people to know and to understand that this was not humanly possible. It was the power and the spirit of God that was happening. Drop down to verse 12. They stood there amazed and perplexed because of everything that was going on. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others who were in the crowd, they ridiculed them and saying, they're just drunk, that's all. How often do we hear that? There's people out of their minds. Keep going in verse 14. I want us to see... Peter was defending, you know, these guys are drunk. Peter's like, no, they're not. Let me, let me read something to you, Peter's saying. Let me, let me quote something to you. And Here's the reason why we need this authority in baptism with the Holy Spirit. We're going to read through verse 21. Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. 
Know what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit among all people. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy and I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn to blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That was the reason for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That is the reason for the signs and wonders and miracles, even that we see today, that we've seen happen in our church. When word gets out that so-and-so was healed, when word gets out that a miracle has happened, the name of God is glorified. Why is it that we pray for people? Why is it that we want to see the miraculous? Why is it that we want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so that people come to Jesus? And so the people who are believers are set free. People who are even non-believers, they're set free, and that's a testimony to them of, oh, God is real. How, how did this happen? Please explain to me how I was this way, and now all of a sudden I'm this way. And all we can say is, it's the power of God. Everything that you have heard is true, and you've just witnessed it. Church, God has empowered each and every one of us, no matter where we are, no matter who we are, if we are believers, to receive this baptism with the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are listed in 1 Corinthians 12. If you just want to write that down, I'm going to list them quickly. But 1 Corinthians 12, I think it's verse 7 through 11. He says, a spiritual gift is given to each one of us so that we can help each other. That's why we have spiritual gifts, Nora, so that we can help each other. And here's what they are. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and the other the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. That's important, isn't it? Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. We were able to experience that second service two weeks ago. Just middle of worship service. Someone's praying in their heavenly language. And I believe it was a word that was given. And Dean and Doug had a, a word from the Lord. And then a little bit later, Stasha had something that followed that up. That was the gifts of the Spirit in action. Verse 11, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. When someone is healed miraculously you'd better believe they'll never view God the same as they did before. I know I've been touched by the power of God. When a prophecy is given, which tells only something that God could have known, people will see the power of God. We had another story. I think it was that exact same morning. There was a man who came in, and um, I don't know if I've even told you this yet, Dean, but um, Dean went up and prayed for a particular individual, and this guy called me Sunday afternoon. I got several calls that Sunday afternoon. They were all really good. Um, but Dean, uh, this, this man called me and he said, I've been struggling in this area that no one knows about physically. And Dean came up to me and said, I don't know why, but I feel that I'm supposed to pray for you. And it was confirmation 
to that believer that God had them. Did I even tell you that? I just told you. Be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's absolutely amazing, isn't it? I don't know who needed to hear the word that Nathan gave this morning, but I know that someone needed to hear that. What was that? It's a word of knowledge, wisdom. Wait a minute, he's only 17 years old. The Spirit gives this to whoever he wants to. And I don't mean this as a slight at all, but God will choose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He uses me. He uses you. If you feel powerless in your Christian faith, you're thinking, man, I would love to be able to encourage people that way. If you're feeling powerless in your Christian faith, this morning I want to take a little bit of time so that we can all ask God to baptize us with his Holy Spirit. God, we need your power. This will empower you and give you boldness and bring glory to God as his kingdom expands. I know this, when God changes your heart, you're never the same. Never, ever the same. When you present the power of God's kingdom, others will never be the same. 